Good morning, this is Lance Kenmore with the Kenmore team, and I'd like to welcome you to this week's edition of the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. As always, you can contact me, Lance Kenmore, anytime direct to my cell phone at 727-8977, or visit us on the web at kenmoreteam.com. Once again, I always like to thank John for hosting and everybody here at the station for working to make this happen. John McKay, how you doing over there? Well, given our weather, yeah, yeah, a little bit, little bit of the flurries around there. Maybe we spoke too soon with our exuberance last weekend. Yeah, well, I shouldn't have said anything <laughs> on social media about it. Hey, do you think we're gonna get a snowmageddon because it's been mild? No, I, I think, I think we're gonna stay away from that. I pray that we stay away from that. And, um, but no, it's, uh, yeah, a little flurries here and there. And mm-hmm. I tell you what, though, it has not slowed down the real estate market oh oh my gosh it has continued to be just absolutely breakneck um for the amount of offers the speed that we're seeing listings go under contract um and what we do need though is is more inventory because the uh yesterday i ran the numbers i was just prepping for the show and getting ready and it, man, it's pretty brutal when you have Richland, Pasco, Kennewick, and West Richland, and you pull up the total number of active listings, and there's 323 only. Wow. And then I took out the 21 built to kind of filter out new construction, and you get down to about 209 actually on the market. Mm. And so... Um, that is not enough to sustain <laughs> the demand that we have. And so what that causes is what is going on the market. Um, we are seeing a lot of multiple offers and we're seeing a lot of stuff that we don't always see. And so I took some notes on just to give people an example um, the best offer that I saw last week come across the firm that, mm-hmm. that I was looking at was couple were waived inspection mm-hmm. two week close twenty thousand over the list price wow um and and cash sale so <laughs> obviously that's such a good offer because for the seller there's literally no contingencies wow um and the, i mean there's one or two but the chances of that happening are, are very very slim if you get an offer like that accepted really um really really solid and really when we have those cash sales and then they bump over list price like that a lot of times people are always asking well how do market prices creep up and how do appraisers have comps for these sales Mm -hmm. these types of cash sales kind of raise the bar on raising those prices in those in those neighborhoods because that house now that transaction is going to close there's not going to be an appraisal there and so Mm -hmm. the next closest comp comparable sale that they use um is going to be twenty thousand higher than likely what those people thought that they were going to be able to get beforehand and even the the second best offer i saw last week um was Thirty-five thousand dollars, and this was um, the first one was in Kennewick. This one, this other one was in Richland. Thirty-five thousand over list price, um, along with a twenty thousand um, dollar low appraisal addendum, meaning that they went thirty-five thousand wow. over list price, and they were guaranteeing 
that they had at least $20,000 to make up the difference if the house did not appraise. Um, wow. And they they lowered their inspection time frame down to four days. So, I mean, we, we've seen just some extremely competitive offers in this market. A lot mm-hmm. of that being driven by the um, interest rates being so low. And then it's a double whammy when you throw on the low inventory level. So, yeah. If you have um, thought about selling, even with a few snow snow flurries around, Mm -hmm. now's a great time to give us a call, do an evaluation. We've we've been doing tons of evaluations the last two weeks, Mm -hmm. and a number of the clients were surprised of what they could get they could get for their house and wow. so we've been talking and doing those evaluations and giving people those market analysis and making those decisions your house might be worth more than you thought in this present environment mm-hmm. um before we jump into all of the topics though we always like to start off with our crazy celebrity real estate topic mm-hmm. and this is um carolyn Wozniacki, is that how you say that? The tennis player? I think so. And uh, David Lee, former NBA player. They have listed their Miami house. There is a development there called Fisher Island in Miami. And there was a condo Mm -hmm. complex um, that was completed around 2016. And this is, they actually, according to the real estate agent, they are actually downsizing because they had an 8,000 square foot condo. Wow. And when you look at that. I didn't know they built them that big. They, now, both um, both of them have retired. And so when you look at retiring, mm-hmm. maybe you're on a fixed income. Oh. <laughs> and so it might have something to do. I love how the article said that there um the monthly HOA dues for that 8000 square foot condo is $10,000 wow for the HOA fee and property taxes run about 210,000 <laughs> And so, yeah. I mean, can you imagine a $10,000 monthly HOA, HOA do? Uh, now, it did say they had like, um, you know, they, they considered it. I love how they market themselves above five star. They consider their building to be six star concierge services. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have like fully staffed like hair and makeup salon, massage room. Wow. And your HOA dues do cover a certain number of appointments there and this island itself the 260 acre island where this development is you can only reach by private ferry boat or helicopter that's how they get back and forth and so i just i mean there was just too much in this article for me i mean the place is the it's absolutely incredible and beautiful but you start breaking down those pricing and you're like holy cow this is this is crazy yeah so we always like to couple that with some real Reality. life, real life uh, real estate statistics. And so I brought two to compare today and kind of look at the differences here. And I, I got these on different occasions through my research and I thought, but man, these two economic stats, real estate stats really apply to each other. So the first one's really, really interesting. And so... For the ending of the year in 2020, Mm -hmm. the U.S. population grew by only 
one third of one percent. So point three five percent. That is the slowest population growth rate since 1900 in the U.S. Wow. Now, they think part of the reason is COVID-19 related. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I, McKay, for maybe my mind is just not always the cleanest. I I thought the population might increase with COVID at home quarantining. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. That's what I would have thought. That's what that was my guess, but maybe people didn't like each other that that much. So, well, I think the stressful <laughs> conditions didn't help. And, and I think you're right. When you look at all other things considered, that could be what we're what we're looking at. But it really kind of speaks to an aging population with limited immigration. So, mm-hmm. um, at six point six percent, the decade that ends twenty twenty. Will have the slowest growth rate since the first census was conducted in 1790, even lower than the 1930s. So you you look at that and you say, gosh, okay, so we have lower population. So then I pulled up housing permits for our country. And this is really interesting to look at. So housing permits, new housing construction, they're running at their best level since 2006 that we've seen. But the improvement is not evenly spread in our country. So in the Northeast, permits have been running roughly 200,000 a year, and they've been flat Mm -hmm. for decades. In the Midwest, same thing, 200,000 a year. And they've bounced between 200,000 and 400,000 since 1960. I really think that fluctuation has to do with, like, fracking and drilling and Mm -hmm. stuff in in the Midwest. Um, Now, um, out West kind of similar story 400,000 permits a year Um, but here's the thing the south is killing it from a regional perspective 870,000 permits a year relatively high and so I think you look at those demographics that I just went over over population you've got an aging demographic prefers warmer weather Mm -hmm. and so we're seeing the south really be the recipient to some of that so you look down at you look down at florida you look down at um all kinds of communities in texas you've got austin and houston and dallas then you go to phoenix um so with an aging population not you know not a lot of new blood per se there Mm -hmm. We are seeing kind of a migration in our housing patterns to some of those bigger markets in the South. So I just thought it was kind of interesting to take two different economic statistics and then really look at how that's affecting housing. Yeah. So second home markets, low interest rate, great time for people, especially on a fixed income, Mm -hmm. to lock in their retirement housing. And so a lot of people are looking ahead to that and say, gosh, when I get down there, I would love to have a rate of, you know, 2.5% locked in as low as I can get on a fixed income. So we're driving a lot of housing requests that way. I have done a lot of networking in those markets. If you are headed to Phoenix, Tucson, Las Vegas, any of those metro markets, I've got referral based 
agreements with agents there that they take really, really good care of our incoming clients. We've worked with mm-hmm. them numerous times. So go to KenmoreTeam.com if you're interested in that, need an agent in one of those other markets, let us know for sure so we can put you down and get you with a similar high-powered type team in those markets. Um, the big thing that I wanted, another thing that I wanted to hit on, we talked about low inventory. Mm-hmm. We have those new construction townhouses under 230000 yep. in Pasco. Mm-hmm. I featured them last week on the pick three. Yes. Two of those pick threes, two of the three sold um, in the last couple days. We are down to only having two lots in phase two. Um, and then two existing in phase one. Wow. We're literally almost sold out of phase one and phase two, and we are just cranking like the builder is going as fast as supply can allow to bust us into phase three. So if you want to pre-reserve new construction, Pasco townhouses Mm -hmm. in that range, we go from 200 to 230. Um, you can get two bedroom, one bath. You can get three bedroom, two bath. We've got a great new 1,400 square foot plan coming that people love. Give us a call. Go to KenmoreTeam.com. Shoot us a message about mod housing, and we can get you on the list for that. So one of the things that I I, ta- I mentioned to you last week, we did a topic on hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. I was on some national interviews for some topics, and one of the ones that they hit us with in the circuit was – what type of costs are still out there for a for sale by owner? What what if they don't have the real estate commission and they've heard, geez, it's the big commission, that's the chunk that takes out of it. Mm-hmm. What do they still need to be worrying about on the cost side? Hmm. So I so I pulled out some of our settlement statements to give people an example of what they are going to have in in Washington state. And it was interesting doing a national interview because, you know, I was researching some of the other states and there's some there's some fees that we have that other states do not. Ooh. And so we'll talk about that. But one of the first things that comes up on those statements that no matter what you're, you're going to have to deal with and as a seller, and that is title insurance. Mm. And that is basically insuring the title um, that you ha- can transfer a free and clear title to the new owner. Mm-hmm. And so especially if there's a bank involved, then even the buyer's going to have to buy a policy to protect their bank. So, But you as the seller are going to have a title insurance charge. I pulled up. I just went back and looked at some averages. I pulled out a sale that was 260000 Goes great with what we were talking about at those new construction. And you're going to be looking at round on a $260,000 sale. If you're the seller, you're going to have a title charge in there of around a thousand dollars. And so that's going to be just one of those things that if you have an agent or not, you're still going, going to be going to be paying. Now, the other thing, it was interesting because just to double check, you know, double check some of my subject matter. I had called the title company and I was, I was talking to a couple different title companies about the charges and, and making sure I had accurate numbers. And I said, hey, just for somebody that was selling on their own or, or doing something between family members or doing something, wh- what would you suggest to him? And he's like, don't. 
<laughs> and I was like, okay, come on. Okay. We're trying to do a radio show topic here. Let's uh, in a in a hot hot market, there's going to be a number of people that are tempted to do this themselves, you know. And so he goes, "Okay, I get what you're saying." He goes, the biggest thing from the title perspective that he goes, we see happen because at the title and especially at the escrow company, we don't represent either side. We're just executing the terms of the contract for mm -hmm. both parties and balancing. And he said, so the biggest mistake we see made is not having a clear and concise contract. The professional mm. organizations, the realtors, the attorneys, they have very standard professional they've been reviewed hundreds of times mm -hmm. teams of attorneys have looked at them there's a reason why we have a 17 page contract mm -hmm. and that's because most of those details are spelled out in there so he said the worst thing he says i get is a two-page contract to sell a house and the parties start calling um, about two weeks later because they're in an argument about who's, pay, who's paying that. the escrow fees and why wasn't that in the contract? And I'm not paying the escrow fee. The buyer is. And they don't understand that there's one for the buyer and one for the seller. So having a good contract or having a good real estate attorney review mm -hmm. that contract or provide it for you, even if you're not using an agent. That's the number one thing that we wrote down about to, to be aware of when you're drafting that agreement and putting those terms down on paper. After that, we do have those costs. And that's where the title insurance cost comes into play and the escrow fee. So on top of the title insurance, there's going to be an escrow fee which dictates um, them collecting all the paperwork, mm -hmm. getting the final signatures from both parties, making sure that they have executed the terms of that agreement, getting it to the county for recording. So that escrow fee on a $260,000 transaction, you're going to be looking at around five fifty dollars to six hundred, dollars depending upon which company you're at. When we come back after the break, we're going to go over about five more charges that you'll see to the seller side of a settlement contract and talk a little bit more about real estate uh, here locally and across the country. Right here on News Talk. Welcome back to the Tri-Cities Real Estate Update. Today we've been talking a little bit about what sellers see on their side of the transaction as far as fees. We've seen a lot of focus on what sellers pay and how much it costs to get a house sold. And so we wanted to break that down a little bit. Uh, before we get into that, because I always run out of time, inventory is mm -hmm. such a crunch. I wanted to get an absolute fantastic pick three on here for some actual inventory that we do have. And pick number one, we just picked this up. This is 1310 9th Street out in Bend City. So this is a newer four-bedroom, three-bath Rambler with a basement. Mm -hmm. And it's tucked on one and a quarter acres. So Ooh. huge lot out in Bend City. You've got views of Red Mountain and the surrounding hills. 3,200 square feet, lots of possibility with this property. You could build your dream shop. You could add a setup for animals. Maybe even we've, we've made some calls to the city for the right um, person. It looks like you could maybe get another lot or two out of this Ooh. property also. Um, so awesome split bedroom design, vaulted ceilings, um, stucco house, granite counters, just um, full length deck off of the dining area in the back, private master suite, the master's on the main level. 
Downstairs, you've got plenty of room with an oversized family room. Um, lower covered patio out in the fully fenced backyard. So just a great location. Very private. This is not one where... You're like looking right into neighbors. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the, you know the trees, the hills. It's it's absolutely beautiful, fully irrigated, and room for RV or toy parking or trailer parking, and that's coming in at five twenty four nine hundred. So price wow. price to sell on that one for sure. Pick number two. 8112 Babine Drive in Pasco. Mm. This is a four-bedroom, two-bath Rambler, 1656 square feet, LVP flooring, granite counters, split bedroom design here also. You've got that all-important great room concept as a den or office for the work-from-home setup. Um, full tile backsplash in the kitchen, soft closed cabinets and drawers, stainless steel appliances. This place is just dialed in. Great West Pasco location, easy access to the highway. And that's coming in price. This is the price range people are struggling in. 350,000. So, four bedroom, two bath, 1656 square wow. feet at 350. And and that's one of those ramblers that people are just searching out. That's going to that's going to go quick. And then pick number three, 5900 West 17th and Ave Avenue in Kennewick. This is a large corner lot, four bed, two bath home. This is up in Kennewick's Winsong subdivision, 1856 square feet, um, bright living room, new carpet. There's a fireplace, spacious dining and kitchen on the upper level. Up, updated kitchen. You've got wood flooring, lots of counter space, stainless steel appliances here also. Really, really well done, remodeled. All four bedrooms are roomy. Lots of space for storage and organization. Full laundry room on the lower level. Um, once again, this is another big lot. Lots of room to add a shop or you got RV parking. Mm -hmm. um, and new carpet, new paint, new trim. Like I said, great remodel there. Southwest Kennewick location, 319900 I mean, mm. these are, yeah, these... These properties are the ones that I really expect. I read those off on the pick three, and the way inventory's been, I'm like, I, I'll probably be telling you last week that at least two of the three are gone, and, mm -hmm. and the way things have been going, and if I, if the, the way I expect things, I want all three of three to be gone, McKay. Yes. So, and it looks like that. I mean, the activity level will be fast and furious around those for sure. Mm -hmm. Before um, Before the break, we were we were going over seller costs that they sellers were going to pay on their side of a settlement statement. So assuming you didn't have an agent, what costs would be left before the break? We talked about title insurance. We talked about escrow fee. What else comes, comes into play on that side of the equation. Another one um, that comes into play and you know, it's, it's not always a huge amount, but it can add up and people are usually surprised about that. And that is a proration for taxes. Mm. And so how that works is 
you're only going to be charged for the number of days that you were in the house. So if you have, if you take the property tax assessment for the year, mm -hmm. they will break that down to a daily rate. So oh. for instance, if you close in, you know, say you close March 1st, mm -hmm. you're going to have roughly 60 days of the property tax that you would owe. And so that would likely be charged you as a seller would be charged for that on, you know, on that day. Now, one of the things people sometimes don't realize is a lot of times it's easy if someone's closed in March because they feel like they haven't made their April tax payment, you know, April mm -hmm. and October. And so what's funny sometimes is um, somebody will close in, say, May. Mm -hmm. Well, what people a lot of times don't realize is that April payment actually pays three months in arrears and three months ahead. Oh, so your April payment is actually paying January through June. Mm -hmm. And so for instance, if you've made that April payment and then you close in May, you're going to get a refund because you've paid, you've paid up through in June. Advance. So they will make those adjustments on the settlement sheet and there'll be a charge for that. The other one that gets prorated that same style is irrigation fees and HOA fees, like there might be a yearly or an annual amount for the HOA. If the HOA is $365 to make our math easy, a dollar a day, you're get, you're going to get charged if you haven't made that payment yet. Mm -hmm. The one that sometimes gets people and they get a little hot about it sometimes at the <laughs> closing statement is the irrigation one. And oh, it's usually yeah. if we close in January or February, mm -hmm. because you'll have a charge as the seller, you'll have a charge on your statement for irrigation for, you know, 60 days of irrigation, say we close in March 1st, for 60 days of irrigation, and sellers will turn to me and they'll be like, that irrigation amount, that $300 that I pay, that's for the irrigation season, which is April, May, June. We haven't even gotten there yet. Yeah. Well, the way our contract lays it out, it states that, once again, that's another fee that it's a daily rate based upon the year. Mm -hmm. So that is prorated over the course of the year. So I will say you do get you do get a little you do get a little cut off on that one. And and I, I've I've had one or two people really get after me about, about that at the club. Statement. Yeah, so, well, that's one of those table. things, you know, it's a seasonal thing. It's a seasonal thing. And so, um, but it's really difficult to define. So I get how, why they do it that way. Well, that's like the people that, you know, we had some outages this year. I shouldn't have to pay <laughs> for those three days at the pumps were, but well, yeah, you're me. very, very difficult to, to administrate it and yes. make, and make happen. So that, those are, those are the other fees that are, that are prorated and, you could say I saved the best for last or maybe the worst for last. Mm -hmm. So the big fee that gets that really adds up on that seller side of the statement and that is excise tax. Some Ooh. people know that as a transfer tax. So anytime mm -hmm. a seller sells property in the state of Washington, you're going to be obligated to pay excise tax. And so that's a transfer tax. It'll range, depending on the county you're in, it'll range from 1.5% to 1.8%. And so a small portion of that goes to the county and then the rest goes into like the state gen the state general fund. And so mm -hmm. what's difficult about that is not every state has that. 
And mm. so where I really run into people having a hard time with that is if they've sold in, and I don't know all the 50 states, I only know Washington, but let's say Idaho doesn't have it. They, you know, they sold the house in Idaho, they moved to Tri-Cities, four years later they call up Lance Kenmore, mm-hmm. ready to sell the house, and they look at the settlement statement and they're like, what is this extra almost 2%? you got to be kidding me. And, it's and an excise so it's tax. Excise tax. They're like, well, we didn't have that in Idaho. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of things you don't have there. Also. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we'll go we'll go through that and talk and talk about that. But in mm-hmm. the state of Washington, we do have that. So this settlement statement that I pulled off just for rough math on two hundred and sixty thousand dollar house. It's going to be roughly $4,000 in excise tax. And so that's a chunk. You add that together with your title and escrow fees and your tax prorations and stuff. And, and you can come close to assuming that even if you don't have an agent involved, mm-hmm. you're going to have between, you know, roughly two to two and a half percent, depending upon how those fees go, of additional closing costs as a seller. Wow. And so that's what that's what you're looking at. A lot of times, you know, we talk about our added value comes with the negotiations, the legality of the side, working to get people in multiple offer situations to maximize the value um, those instances I I truly believe we make up more than that commission rate than, than we're charging if you have any questions about those strategies and what that looks like we're coming into a time period that will be very very critical for sellers in the mm-hmm. next four months to take advantage of some of these strategies Go to KenmoreTeam.com, shoot us an email, give me a call or a text on my cell phone. We'd love to do an evaluation and talk to you about what that looks like. I honestly can say that for selling, I have not seen quite a better time in my in my career here, yeah. here in Tri-Cities. So if you've thought about it, you might not think your house is ready. You might not think it's worth what you want. But it's worth a phone call to double check right now because this is unprecedented times in that in that situation. All in all, too, we will be right here handling our business and talking real estate. And we will be right back next week. Right here on Newstalk 870.